And welcome to All Things Billy. I am your host, Michael Anthony Giudicissi. And uh, I've noticed that when we have guests, a lot more people <laughs> want to listen to the podcast because they're probably tired of my voice. And we've got a great one today. Um, today, we have actor, reenactor, historian, and character in a book. We have Mr. Kelly Kidd with us. Kelly, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Michael. I appreciate it. I'm excited to be on. Oh, good. I'm, I'm glad you're here. Um, I got, did I get all of your titles right? Uh, did, did I miss anything there? Um, you know, not not my good ones. Like I said, you know, I think I'm, uh, you know, depending upon what my wife would say, I'm, I'm an okay husband and I'm a dad <laughs> and I'm a teacher and all those other things, hats, different hats I wear. I got you. Well, that's a lot of hats. Good thing you got a good strong head there. So, hey, uh, before we uh, go any further, because uh, you know a lot about Pat Garrett for a couple of reasons, you've you've researched a lot of his life. You've uh, been a, a Pat Garrett reenactor in the uh, old Lincoln Days pageant numerous times, and you've played Pat Garrett now twice in film. Um, is there? You've seen all the movies. Is there a favorite? representation in the movies of pat garrett one that you think is close to the real man um that's that's a tough one i've I've seen a lot of them um i i like ethan hawk's version of the when just his um relationship with billy in in that movie I, i i think that you know it portrays him pretty good and i think portrays the, the relationship pretty good so you know i i liked that one i didn't i didn't come away from watching that going "Ooh, that was bad i thought hey that's a, you know that's a different take on it gotcha so that was a good one the movie not really all that accurate but i don't think it was designed to be um but a uh, good representation okay cool all right so uh you are an actor uh well no let's 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 stop that let's go back a little further first um you are a historian and not just uh you know with interest in billy the kid and pat garrett where did the, where did your your love or fascination with history start um as early as i can remember i mean i i know that you know, whether it was, you know, watching movies, reading books, um, or whether it was playing, you know, with my army men when I was a little kid. Um, I've just, that's just always been my passion. Hmm. And so you carried this obviously through your adult years. When did uh, Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid strike your interest? Do you remember? I had always, you know, whether I've seen the movies or read the books, or I remember when, um, you know, my parents and I, and we went on a vacation and I was probably late middle school. So probably 13, 14, somewhere in there. And we went on a trip to New Mexico and vacation and up into Colorado and stuff. And, and my dad was determined to find, you know, where Billy the Kid was, you know, buried and cause he wanted to show me. And so we traveled all over, you know, Northern New Mexico and we finally found it and rolled into you know, Fort Sumner and stuff like that. And, you know, and I got to see the grave. And and so that was, you know, um, an exciting part for me, because the fact that, you know, I, I got to see those things that I'd read about, uh, you know, um, for real. And so I always, always loved doing that. And so the Old West has always been part of my fascination and, and, you know, end up, you know, becoming sort of a, a little bit of a historian about it. And, and just have a really good time, uh, you know, during that time period. Do you remember that first time going to the grave in Fort Sumner? Oh, very much so. I I remember the fact that, you know, my dad wasn't a patient man, but, <laughs> um, and he's like, I, I don't know, I know it's somewhere around here, I know it's somewhere around here, and it's, of course, a long time before the days of GPS and everything, and, and you know, and the internet, and so we literally stopped at like, you know, three or four gas stations along the way and trying to get directions. And, and we, he finally found it. And, and we, you know, we finally get there and, you know, and it's like, okay, here it is. And, you know, and I walk in there and, and, you know, and it's exciting because, you know, it, we'd it, all this buildup, but I'd also ha- had a book in the back of the car and, and I'd been reading it and it was just one of those little, little pamphlets. And I know I still have it somewhere in a box around here in the house 
that, you know, that I'd read a little bit about him. And so it's like now all of a sudden here it came to life in a little bit. And so that was, you know, that was pretty special. Got it. Uh, cool. We're going to talk uh, way more about uh, Billy's grave and Pat Garrett's part in putting him there um, as we go forward. But um, you have been or are and have been a reenactor. Now, if people looked at you, they'd go, all right, he can't play Billy the Kid. I mean, he's six foot 12 or, you know, I mean, how tall are you actually? Six, five. Six, five. Yeah. So you, you're clearly not Billy the Kid, but, you know, Pat Garrett, you can, you can pull off. So how did that part of it start? When did you start reenacting and how much research did you do? Was it, hey, I just look like him or no, I, I actually want to know a lot about the guy. Well, I had, um, like I said, always loved history. And my oldest son and his best friend, um, he got invited to an old West town that my son's best friend had built. And they, you know, four or five times a year, they basically, you know, they play cowboy and go back into the 1880s. And so my oldest son got invited and he came back and went, oh, dad, oh, my gosh, you will not believe what we got to do. And it is just amazing. We went back in time and I went, that sounds awesome. Get me invited. <laughs> and luckily, luckily, it, you know, he happened to be a really good friend of mine, too. Uh, and so, you know, the next time they went, I got invited and I got hooked. And so being able to go back in time and do that, uh, you know, and and just, you know, helped me with being a historian and history and around some amazing people and, um, you know, end up helping me with my acting a great deal as well. And um, and then, you know, one time that he goes, hey, we go and do these shows across the country. And one of the things we do is we go to Lincoln, New Mexico, and we've been doing it for the you know past 10 years. Um, we'd, would you like to come? And I went, you bet, because I've been wanting him to invite me because I'd heard that they had done that. And so I get out there and and they hadn't really sort of divvied up. They did the their same parts and stuff like that. But, you know, and they went, well. Um, our Pat Garrett didn't hear this year and you look like him. Um, you, you get to play Pat Garrett and I went awesome, you know? And so I get out there and, you know, and we do these shows over the weekend and seeing people and then having people come up and take pictures with me. I realized I better know my stuff mm -hmm. because people out there, know the Billy story and know Pat Garrett and know all that. And so I immediately ha had to do a, a crash course in making sure, you know, I knew all the details and all the facts. Got it. So uh, how many times at the pageant or have you actually played Pat Garrett? Um, I've been out to Lincoln four times. All right. And uh, do, does it always end the same? <laughs> <laughs> does anybody throw a wrench in the works no it pretty much you know ends the same i think people would get a little upset if you know all of a sudden you know we change things or anything so <laughs> i got it uh all right so the you're you're portraying pat garrett uh at the the uh old lincoln days and you're learning about pat garrett and you look like pat garrett so it's all all the pieces are there that i can understand i have never been I guess I'm embarrassed to say I've never been to old Lincoln days as long as I've lived in New Mexico, which is, I mean, we're going on 26 years now, 26 years in July. Um, tell us what it's like, uh, you know, like what's the most memorable, how many people are there? Are there throngs of people is it like Disney world for old West, uh, you know, enthusiasts uh, take us there. Well, it, it's an amazing experience, not just, you know, getting to go to a special event, but just walking the street since there is basically a street. Um, and you can't walk more than a few feet without understanding history has been made here. And so you get that special feeling when, when you roll into town. And then when people start, you know, to arrive and I mean, literally, um, you know, the first time I went there, you know, probably a few, you know, hundred thousand people there. Um, the next year we went and we were able to do the reenactment of um, 
Billy the Kid's escape and Bell and Ollinger going down in the courthouse. Mm-hmm. And literally, it had to be 500 to 1,000 people out there. They had not planned to block off the street because it's literally, you know, the highway. That's, that's the only street mm-hmm. that goes through there. And there were so many people that, you know, um, you know, the police had to come in and block the street off. And it was just amazing. It was electrifying to know that you were, you were doing, you know, doing that. I got to play Ollinger at that time. And I'm walking by there and literally from the window that it happened, you know, you know, uh, I, you know, I hear this voice and hello, Bob. And I turned around and, you know, the shotgun is unloaded and it was, yeah, it, it was those times we talk about in history to where you sort of lose the time of, you know, what era are you in? That was one of those times. That's wild. And it is, that's probably the thing with uh, Lincoln is it's so well documented what happened um, because there's so many people that have studied it. And so you, you can almost put your feet right where the person that you're, you know, you're, you're thinking or talking about put their feet. I mean, literally within inches with Ollinger, with Bell at the Tunstall store, the Torreon. I mean, any of those places, they carry that not only the history, but they carry the documentation of it. So you're right there. I mean, you, if not for a 140 year gap in time, you would have been right there. So that brings me to my next question, because uh, I want to talk to you about being a character in a book and how that happened. But um, if time travel were a thing, I don't think it is, uh, but if it were, would you, would you want to go? Would you really want to go back? Or is that the kind of thing that people say? And then when they're faced with the reality, they go, Oh, maybe not. I, I know. And, and, and literally um, I ask myself that all the time. And it's, it's one of those things where, you know, are you born in a wrong era? I've got, uh, you know, several friends that are in this and, the, and they talk about, I was just born at a wrong time. And, and would I want to go back? Yes. Would I want to live there permanently? No, I'm I'm sort of addicted now to air conditioning and toilet paper. <laughs> so, um, you know, but I I do. I sometimes I wish as I I go places because, like I said, I I'm just fascinated by all sorts of history, and I wish you know somehow you could invent these goggles or something I could I could put on and see it at its what that looked like at a certain time period, so you can experience it and get that get that vision. Okay, if we have any inventors listening that can invent those just time travel goggles so you can watch it, but you don't even actually have to be there. Um, let's get on that and then we'll, you know, we'll have a, a profit split here. So, um, oh, okay, so if you have the goggles where you can time travel back, I give you one day and I promise you'll come home alive. What's the day you're going back to? <sighs> Golly. Okay, you know this is really hard because now I'm you're going to keep me up at nights because I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> change your mind later on tonight. I'm going to wake up at like two o'clock in the morning. And go, no, I told him wrong. I want this. Kind of time. Uh, you know, so I can't. I can't pick one time. I mean, you know, there's there's so many times that I would love just to, you know, just to know what really had happened. We, you know, we we talk about and all these books are written about all these specific times and events and everything. But, you know, like you said, even though we have a lot of things documented, do we really know what happened? You right. know, it's, you know, we, so many times they talk about, you know, history is written by the victors. Well, you know, what, what happened at that time? What, you know, I mean, you know, even just talking about, you know, Billy and all that, you know, what, what really happened at Blazer's Mill? What what happened that day, you know, when uh, Brady was shot? What happened that, you know, and you can go on and on and on, you know, and we've got speculation. We know sometimes the end result, but do we really know the details? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that's really kind of a key in my thinking is, yes, you kind of know what happened but you don't really know exactly how it happened. And to me, like uh, my, my uh, approach to history is 
I'm interested in the overall picture, but I'm more interested in the people. Like, I don't care what, how a guy wore his gun or what color his boots were or whether he had a gambler's pinky ring. I know there are historians that do. What I would like to do is hear somebody talk, see their mannerisms, see what they like to eat. Um, you know, or did they like to tell jokes or were they a jerk the whole time? Like, that's the kind of thing that would be fascinating, but I don't think we're going to get it. But the closest. Uh, that uh, <laughs> that maybe you got is uh, you for uh, for a small amount of time became Kelly Childs, and that was the brainchild of me. Um, exactly. In uh, the fifth book in my Back to Billy series, uh, One Week in Lincoln. So I, I hope people see what I did there, Kelly Kid and Kelly Childs. So this way, you know, I didn't have to uh, appropriate your entire identity. So I want to say publicly thank you because I checked with you first to make sure that it would be okay with you. Um, what was your initial reaction? Did you think, oh, this guy's off his rocker? I, I thought, wow, you know, what a boring book if you're going to have me in it. <laughs> um, you know, you must be desperate. Um, but, you know, no, really, I, I, at the time, and I still do consider it, you know, an amazing honor. And I, I thank you so much that you would even, you know, consider me, you know, anywhere to be, you know, part of putting you and putting me in in your book and stuff like that so you know i i think it's pretty special it's one one of those things that i I, an honor i really uh really appreciate well thank you so the book takes place uh during one week around Mm -hmm. old lincoln days and uh so it was really a natural that we had to talk about and in fact the reenactment itself is the catalyst for all of the stuff that happens at the end i know i sent you a couple of like little chapters not even chapter like a, you know here's a paragraph here and there just to make sure that you were going to be okay with it and go oh don't represent me that way <laughs> but you didn't get the whole story until you read the book so i have two questions first of all when you read it what did you think and did i capture kind of kelly child's kelly kid as the uh you know head of this reenactment group um i i think it was wonderful you know i i enjoyed it i you know i was it, I'm sitting there going, okay, would I have done that? Would I have said that? And I'm going, I, I'm not quite sure. You probably painted me in a better picture than maybe how I would have reacted <laughs> a couple of times, you know, with Farber doing that. Um, you know, I think maybe Coach Kid would come out at that time, and and I would not have been uh, so pleased um, as my, you know, my kids at school would would say. So, um, uh, but otherwise than that, yeah, that. It was, you know, it was great, and and I, you know, I enjoyed it, and and um, like I said, I I had fun wanting to know the, you know, entire story and see how it all played out, and and I just I was just glad to be a part of it. Well, thank you, I appreciate that. Uh, so uh, I know you offered up Kelly Childs, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> or uh, you know Pat Garrett returns or something like that as a superhero. <laughs> so we'll uh, we'll work on that idea and see if we can get a series of books with. Uh, you becoming Pat Garrett and coming to modern day. I think that actually would be pretty cool. Like a modern day Pat Garrett, but still walks around with the old 73 Colt and just relies on his old West instincts and all. Maybe, uh, maybe we make that happen. So, okay. Awesome. Uh, all right. So uh, you, in order to portray Pat Garrett, not just in uh, uh, reenactments, but also on film, which we'll talk about, you had to learn more about him. Um, and, uh, that, you know, you, you talked about kind of getting a crash course. Do you consider yourself an expert now on the life and times of Patrick Floyd Garrett? Expert? I don't know. I mean, do I consider myself, you know, that I know more than, you know, the average person walking around, of course, um, that's just probably because the fact that, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a nerd in regards to in regards to that. And so I've, I've read just about all the books I can get my hands on and, and um, that, you know, I, I think, do I think without being there, without ever knowing the man, do I, you know, I know him a little bit better. Do I, I know him better than most people? I think I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think part of that, you know, not only studying and being a historian, um, you know, I think my psychological background, you know, I've got, you know, several degrees and, and part of my, you know, beginning before I ever became a teacher historian was, you know, I was, you know, in counseling and, and, and was a counselor. And so a lot of my degrees are in psychology. So we had to understand people. And so 
reading those books and, and the different parts of his life and everything, you know, you sort of analyze a man, analyze a person. And, uh, and so I think that's helped me uh, a lot. And then the fact that I'm willing to, I like, you can sit behind a screen or, or with a phone and you can call yourself a historian. But I think until you really walk the ground that they walked on and understand things and, and see it in that perspective, um, it, it helps you so much. So I've walked all those grounds that he did and tried to put myself with what with everything that's written and, you know, does it all play out? And so I think that's helped me a great deal to understand, you know, him and the man and who he was and, and, and everything. Gotcha. So uh, let, then let's talk about the real, the real Pat Garrett. Um, it's uh, April, 1881. Garrett leaves town and uh, goes to White Oaks to collect taxes. Um, and uh, Billy kills his two guards, two of uh, Garrett's deputies, and uh, splits for Fort Sumner. Garrett, until July or late June, doesn't really mount an effort to get out there, although I think uh, that he's he's hearing that Billy's probably there. W- why do you think it wasn't an immediate, let's get a posse and chase this kid down until we kill him? I think there's a couple of reasons. I I think, you know, he's his initial thought is that any you know, criminal or any person that would do some type of crime like that, their immediate thought is that you're going to get away. You, you know, you're, you're going to go to Texas, you're going to go to Arizona, Colorado, or Mexico. And then, you know, but then I think he, he realizes that, you know, the kid's not ever, in a lot of ways, ever made the best decision. And he's going to stick around with what he knows. And And so when he starts getting those you know, um, word that, you know, he's still back in his old haunts, then he realizes, okay, so eventually I'm going to have to go there. And, but then I think he wants him to sort of lull him into a false sense of security. And, um, and I think that as any lawman, um, you've got your confidential informants. And I think he had a, a, whether it was a steady stream or at least a stream of information coming in on, you know, what the kid was doing, where he was, and he was going to wait till the right time um, to go get him. Do you think, um, you know, based on the research you've done and just maybe the mind, the mindset of Garrett, that Fort Sumner was the, uh, was the end game? In other words, wait till the kid's there for whatever reason, rather than try to face him, you know, out on the plains, maybe with some allies or something? Or do you think it was just fortuitous that he gets that tip and, and rides into Fort Sumner on July 14th. I think he knew that the kid had been hanging around there. I mean, that's, that was, that was one of his old haunts. And so he's going to go back to his friends and where he can, you know, he can get, um, you know, some safety, some food, some, you know, um, not have to, you know, stay out there. And there was only a few places, you know, at that time that the kid could do that. And obviously, cause you know, Lincoln had been burned. He could never go back there again. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, he, he, Garrett had an idea where he was going to be. And I think he just had to wait for the right time. And I think, you know, his confidential informant, you know, basically finally told him, okay, now he's hanging around here. It's consistent. This is, you know, he's comfortable. Um, you know, this is the time to, to go get him. Can you take us through that day of July 14? Like, uh, you know, I, I, I remember that Garrett, Poe and McKinney ride in, uh, under the cover of darkness. And so it's got to be nine o'clock by that point, maybe even nine fifteen, 15 because, you know, it's the middle of the summertime, but w- what was, what were they doing up until they get to Fort Sumner? Do we know? Well, you know, what Garrett writes and, you know, at this point, no one's really, you know, contradicted that, that, you know, he had a tip and he was going up there to meet a confidential informant and, and wash about, a mile away from Fort Sumner and his informant never showed. And so, you know, he and Poe discussed it and McKinney and they decided to, okay, well, let's go a little farther into Fort Sumner and, and see who's, you know, see, see who's around. And so he goes in there and, you know, then the rest is history. Do we have any idea or a guess who the informant was or who sent them? I've, I've read, you know, a multiple of informants, anywhere from Pete Maxwell, you know, to 
you know, just a lone cowboy to, you know, I mean, there's, there's been all sorts of names, even to, you know, a jealous girlfriend of Billy because mm-hmm. she's jealous because Billy's hanging around all these other girls. So um, I, I don't think we'll ever know who it is. Garrett doesn't, you know, say who it is. And I think, you know, a good, you know, law enforcement officer never gives up who his, his confidential informants are. Mm-hmm. Do you think Garrett rides into Fort Sumner that night? Because he hadn't shown any compunction, compunction against killing. Um, you know, they they shot uh, Tom Folliard. Um, They shot Bowdry. He says, you know, accident or you know, misidentified him. Do you think he rode in there to kill Billy? Or do you think there was a chance that he was going to try to take him alive? I think at this point, Garrett knew that Billy was desperate enough. And Billy had always shown, and, and every time he's backed into a corner, He's going to pretty much shoot his way out if possible. And so I think at that point, he knew that it was going to come down to a time he's going to, you know, he's going to have to kill him. Um, I don't think there's any any other way around it. He had just sort of understood that that was how it was going to turn out because Billy was going to force his hand. So the strategy with Poe and McKinney is, hey, if we find him, you know, we're we're going to have to kill him. It's not like, hey, let's surround him or let's talk him out or anything like that. We're we're going to get this one chance, and if we get it, we're going to take it. I I think that if that you know that moment, you know, made itself there to to take him alive, they would have you know would have taken it. But I I think he had already pretty much understood that you know it's probably not going to be that way. Um, Billy's not going to get, you know, taken alive again, you know, what happened, you know, at Stinking Springs. And so it's, you know, they're going to hang him no matter what, because now he's killed two deputies, um, you know, he and so he's going to shoot his way out. And, yeah. you know, and a lot of times, and one of the things I think Garrett always understood, and you see that throughout his life, you know, in all of his different, you know, law enforcement jobs is he's, he's very determined in what he does. Um, but he also takes care of, he wants his deputies and, and who to be safe. And so he's going to make sure he doesn't want to put Poe and McKinney in as little danger as possible. So he's not going to get into some type of shootout where a lot of people are going to get hurt. If he <laughs> has the opportunity, he'll take Billy out himself. Got it. Yeah. Um, okay. So now we get to the, uh, on the spot questions, what is the, uh, what's the percentage zero to a hundred percent certainty that Billy was killed July 14, 1881 in Fort Sumner by Pat Garrett? I think it's probably at least 90%. Okay. That's uh wow. That's, that's pretty, uh, pretty certain. That's in line with what Bill Richardson told me when I interviewed him, he wanted to leave that little bit of wiggle room. Um, okay. So as a, a Pat Garrett historian and reenactor, uh, what are the chances of that remaining 10% that uh, brushy Bill Roberts shot his way out of uh, Fort Sumner that night and escaped and lived on to until 1950? I think the percentage is low. I mean, you know, and, and I look and as a historian, I try to look at things objectively. Mm-hmm. And and, it, and it's it's about the law of averages. And so with as many people that were there and that saw the body and all that, someone's going to talk. And the last thing that Garrett's going to want, because if you see all through his career, anytime his reputation is impugned, he gets mad to the point where he's willing to fight. So if there's any chance of anybody is going to say something that, you know, of, of some type of plot that's being, you know, um, hatched and, you know, oh, no, Garrett, let him go or whatever. Um, Garrett's not going to go for that because that's going to, you know, disparage his reputation and his families. And he's not going to put him through that. So um, you never hear anything, really. I mean, that, that, that is substantiated, uh, you know, that's solid evidence that you know any anything like that ever happened that you know billy got away or you know the whole brushy bill thing or or whatever so the law of averages is he died that night 
So the common refrain when you talk about that and, and people say, well, it was Miller or Brushy Bill or something else is, oh, well, everybody in Fort Sumner was his friend. So that's why nobody talked. Um, th- it, it, that doesn't seem to work in favor of the law of averages that whatever 150 or 200 people would keep that secret for the rest of their lives, does it? Right. And and not everybody in, in Fort Sumner was his friend. I mean, Pete Maxwell didn't want him around. I mean, he's he's bringing undue attention to Fort Sumner, whatever the relationship between, you know, Billy and Paulita are, you know, who knows, but that made him uncomfortable, you know, and so Pete, he's a nuisance, and Pete would rather him go away and make Fort Sumner nice and quiet, because he knows at some point in time, the law's going to come looking for him, and the last thing that Pete wants, you know, as well as a lot of other people, is there to be a big shootout in the middle of Fort Sumner. You know, and there's other people that, that, you know, want Billy gone. You know, he's, whether it's, you know, fathers of a lot of daughters or whether it's, you know, um, other people who are, you know, missing cattle or missing horses, you know, because I'm sorry, you know, Billy was not above taking anybody's cattle or horses that, you know, he thought people owed him, whether he they were friends of his or not, and taking them off, you know, to sell them. So, um, you know, that didn't make him, you know, all the friends in the world either so not everybody there you know like i've heard some people say were you know loved billy and were the biggest billy fans ever so garrett's account of that night i've called into question um you know whether whether you believe he killed billy or not that some of the stuff doesn't seem to add up and some of it's contradicted at some point by his deputies do you think the way that garrett describes what happened that night in his book and in some interviews is a faithful you know, point by point uh, reenactment of it? Or do you think that maybe he, he prettied up a little bit for some reason? I think that it's the basic truth. Like you said, you know, and I listened to your podcast about, you know, about Garrett and, um, you know, about things not adding up. And, and I agree with you. If, if you're going to make yourself kill, you know, the, you know, the most wanted, you know, outlaw ever, you know, at that time period in that territory, you're going to, you know, it's going to come out a lot better than, oh, by the way, I'm sitting on a bed talking to a guy and he just bust into the room and it's an accident. So you're going to, you're going to make yourself look a little better. And, and so, and Garrett doesn't, he just said, Hey, it's, it's pretty much blind luck that, you know, he walked in and, you know, and I knew it was him or me. And so I took my chance and I shot him before he's going to shoot me. And so, you know, I think pretty much everything pretty much lines up with, you know, that I don't I don't think he's is stretching the truth a great deal. Got it. Um, one thing there's uh, I mean, there's a there's a number of things, you know, details at odds. But uh, one of them that's really key is Garrett does write that they stay in Maxwell's bedroom with the body all night, the coroner's jury convenes the next morning. Poe, much later on, I will add, though, uh, writes his book about the death of Billy the Kid. And he says that Garrett releases the body to the townspeople. The women take the body to the carpenter shop and they, you know, uh, they clean him up and they have a wake for him. Well, that would be at odds. Um, is there is there anything there? Or is that just uh, Poe as an older man not remembering things correctly? Or does Garrett have some reason to maybe not tell the truth about Billy's body being moved. And I think was his body moved? Yes. I mean, Garrett's not going to withhold the body and, you know, and not let him go through a Christian burial. Now, whether, what does all night, what does middle of the night? I mean, sometime between midnight when, you know, uh, you know, it happens to, you know, dawn, that's one of those times of where our, no one really says, well, at, you know, five o'clock in the morning, this is when we release the body. You know, it's just morning, evening, night. So it could, they could still all be right just using, you know, a little bit different, you know, vocabulary and terminology. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and that, that makes sense to me too, because it is kind of that same thing. You know, you see a car accident and you have witnesses, you know, on different corners, everybody saw it from a different angle. They said, you know, it happened differently. Um, and you could ask them within 
five minutes of the accident and now Poe's recalling this, you know, many 20 years plus later on. So, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll accept that. So your vote is uh, as Garrett explained, uh, wrote about in his book, that's essentially the way that he killed Billy Bonney. He was, there was some wake held and he was buried in old Fort Sumner the next day. Yes. Correct. All right. Here's the big one. Is he still there? I would believe that he is, and that's just because of, um, you know, the uh, the guy that came down the year after and um, to survey the the bodies and remove all the soldiers' bodies, and mm-hmm. you know, and and then taking them up there, and you know, in his report, um, I think Dave Thomas does a great job in his book explaining that, and you know, in really good detail, and so. You know, I would I would say they're they're still they're still there in the ground. Okay, gotcha. Fair enough. Um, Garrett says at one point uh, his body. This is uh, two uh, not two thousand cash, eighteen eighty five. If I remember that, you know, uh, Billy's body lies underneath that dirt, and I know of what I speak or say. any chance Garrett and Charlie Ford broke out a shovel and dug down and said, Hey, we better make sure that he's still here. That's a good question. I I don't think he would do that, but like I said, that's one of those things that were not there. I, you know, and don't know, ex- don't know exactly, you know, what happened. I, I do know when I read that, I read the fact that I still think, you know, and people ask, you know, was Garrett sorry that he killed Billy or glad? And I think, you know, he was glad he did his job. He he was a man that was always wanting to do his job to the best of his capabilities. I think, did he come to regret in some ways later on that he killed Billy? Yeah, because it gave him such notoriety um, and, you know, positive and negative. And he didn't like anybody talking bad about him. Um, I think even that's one of the reasons I think he wrote his book because there were, you know, there were dime novels out right after Billy died and so many called into question Garrett's credibility and, you know, um, and his honor. And, and he's a man that's going to stand up for his honor. And so he's, he's writing this book to let everybody know, Hey, you know, I know what happened. Don't, give me all this other garbage and all your lies. You, you've never been to New Mexico and you're writing these books. I was there. And so I'm sure there are people afterwards that are still those rumors out there that, you know, um, you know, said that, you know, you backshot him or you did all this and, and, and he's going, no, Hey, I know he's there and he's still there just where I put him. Okay. And so you don't call me a liar. I'm going to ask you to Monday morning quarterback this one decision. Um, and, uh, and that is Garrett leaving Billy uh, under the, uh, uh, under the guard of Bell and Ollinger and heading off to White Oaks. Yes. He's had to collect taxes. I get that. If, if he had the chance to go back and think about that again, does he make another decision? Uh, was it a, was it a poor decision to leave, you know, the most wanted criminal in New Mexico before he was set to hang? Or was that just standard operating procedure? And, and I've gone back and thought a lot about this and, and I've read a lot of things about why, why would he leave at this particular time? And I think obviously he'd been running around the territory trying to find Billy you know, one of the sheriff's main jobs is not only to catch criminals, but to collect those taxes. And those taxes had not been collected. So I'm sure he was, you know, um, you know, catching grief by the county commissioners that, you know, that that tax money hadn't come in. Um, I, I think he potentially was going to White Oaks to, you know, arrange for lumber to, you know, build a gallows uh, to hang Billy. And some things I, I read was at the time, Lincoln had calmed down and White Oaks was, you know, the wildest place in the territory just because of all the, the mining money and, and everything that, that had come in. And it was a bigger town than, than Lincoln. And that maybe, 
potentially Garrett's going, okay, what is the most dangerous possibility here? Going to White Oaks and getting a whole bunch of money or staying and guarding Billy. And if whatever the most dangerous part is, I'll do it to protect my deputies. Billy's chained up. There's two guards guarding. He should be okay for 48 hours. You know, but if I'm going to collect thousands of dollars, you know, worth of tax money, I've got a more likelihood of getting knocked over by, you know, uh, some, you know, robber. I'll take the chance of doing that and I'll go to White Oaks and get that money. So uh, one more Monday morning quarterback. Um, Is it a spectacular failure on the part of Bell and Ollinger that they've got a guy that's essentially chained to the floor? Um, you know, guarded 24 hours a day, got, you know, they, they're armed. He's not, is it, I, I mean, how incredible is it that Billy actually is able to escape from that situation, albeit with having to kill both of them? I think it's amazing, but, but you don't put it past Billy. I mean, he's, he's done it his entire life, whether he's shimming up a chimney to get out of, you know, the jail and, you know, when he's a kid or shooting his way out of you know, the McSween house, I mean, he's going to see the opportunity and he's going to take it. And I'm sure the entire time, you know, he's up there on the second floor of the courthouse. He's thinking about if I have an opportunity because I'm about to swing. OK, I mean, you know, the governor hadn't come through. It, it's not going to happen. So I'm going to I'm going to take my opportunity. And as soon as I see it. I'm an opportunist, opportunist, and I'm going to go for it. And I think that's what he did. Got it. Okay. Well, I think we're inside the mind of Pat Garrett um, and uh, a little bit of uh, Bill and Ollinger and Billy. So, uh, but we're not yet inside the mind of Kelly Kidd because you have uh, have a burgeoning career as an actor. And uh, well, this is a development. Head, that's dangerous. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a development over the last uh, the last few years. So, what was your first acting role like? How did this all develop? My first, well, I was a extra in a independent movie. Oh, this was probably four years ago, and and but you know it didn't really turn out to anything. The movies never come out, um, but you know it's like okay. I, I did this, whatever. And then I started playing Garrett. And then um, I started, um, I developed a, a one-man show um, uh, doing Pat Garrett at, at different places, you know, in different museums and stuff uh, across the country. And and I was going up to Old Cowtown Museum in Wichita, Kansas, and then talking to an amazing lady, uh, Nikki Kennard, up there. And she goes, oh, by the way, I know this guy. And he is making a movie and he needs a Pat Garrett that happens to be yourself. <laughs> and, um, you know, and all of us, I'm going to give you, you know, his contact information so y'all can talk and, and maybe work something out. And the rest is history. Thank you, Mr. Michael. Well, yeah, no, it was my pleasure. And obviously getting somebody who, because the, the film that you're talking about is in their own words, Billy the Kid in the Lincoln County War. And it certainly was a low budget indie film, but uh, probably the biggest challenge of the whole thing is that it was unscripted. Um, and so really, maybe you could describe the process of how it happened when we filmed, because you didn't have anything to go on other than kind of a vague paragraph I wrote you and said, well, I, I kind of want to talk about these things. But how did it how did it happen? And how'd you feel that I was um, pretty much to sum it up? I was scared to death. Um, and, uh, my, my wife had been an actress, you know, before we met for a long time. And, and then she went on to another career and we met and, and so, but, you know, so I always had considered her that the actress, you're, you're, you're the one when our kids go off, you know, and move out on their own, you'll go back to acting. That's your thing. And, and she's going, you know, keep going, you need to do this. You need, you need to do this. And so, okay. But she's also told me once you do this you're, you're going to get the buck, you know, it's, it's going to bite you. It's just, it's just something that you, I can't describe to you. You'll just, you know, realize that. And so, um, you know, we're on set and, and I, I don't know how many times I you know, harassed you about, okay, well, no script. What are we going to do? What are we going to say? And literally, like you said, you, you sent me a paragraph of about, 
you know, five or six questions. And, and you said, we're going to go sort of do this and go this direction. I went, oh, great. And so I'm sitting out there and, and then you just start asking me questions. And I, I remember getting nervous, not beginning, but, you know, really nervous. And, and you just said, Kelly, you know, this guy, you are this guy, just be him. And that really relaxed me. And I, I really appreciated that. I don't know if you remember that or not. I do. But, and, um, and that point on, I just really just was him. And, you know, and we just had a conversation. I, I didn't, I really didn't pay attention to the camera. I just pays attention to your words where, you know, and, and we just had a discussion and, and that made things a lot easier. And I remember, you know, we cut and, and I, I walked back to, you know, go get a drink or something. And my wife, she's standing there and she looks at me and, and she starts grinning. And I went, what are you grinning for? And she goes, you just got the bug. And I went, <laughs> yeah, that was, that was pretty fun. I like that. So there you go. <laughs> Well, that's cool. So that film is on uh, Amazon, a couple other places. And uh, I think it was probably for me, a uh, a lesson in how not to make films in the future, um, you know, or, or, you know, wait, a, a chance to do things way better. Uh, I, I counted, I think we used seven or eight different cameras in the, uh, uh, in the production of that film, one of them being an iPhone and uh, you wouldn't normally do that, but we had different locations and we only had you for a day. Like we had the location mm-hmm. and we had, uh, you know, four people that we needed to talk to. So um, when you saw yourself, right, because now the film comes out, um, we did a little premiere down in Fort Sumner. What did, what did you think? Did you Was it like looking at you or was it like looking at Garrett? Were you critiquing yourself? Happy, sad? Tell me. Of course, I was critiquing myself. I, w- I was, you know, you know, my wife, Carla and I, and we were driving out to Sumner and I'm, you know, and it's like all the time entire time I'm going oh my gosh I'm going to see myself on screen I'm going to just pick myself apart and you know it's just it's going to be horrible and you know and then I get up that day and you know and my stomach's turning and I'm you know feeling like I'm going to puke and 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 then we're sitting in there and and you start the film you you know you talk a little bit and then start the film and then you know and I'm and as it's going and then I see all the people and oh man, oh gosh, you know, Billy's doing a great job. Oh, that's, oh, Paul, it is awesome. And, and I'm just, you know, seeing all these wonderful actors and actresses doing an amazing job, you know, and then I come on and I hear myself and I look at myself and, and it was, it was different. And, you know, and, but I came away with it. <laughs> Amazingly, I went, well, I didn't suck as bad as I thought I would. <laughs> so I, I guess that's, that's, you know, in my mind, that's, 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 you know, praise for me, I guess, was, you know, the best I could hope to, um, you know, give myself, you know, feedback and, and critique that I wasn't, you know, I didn't think I was that horrible, you know, you know, at the time. Of course, I, you know, I'm going, oh, I should have said this and I should have done that. But I think it was more nerve wracking when we showed it in Fort Worth. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you but, about that. Yeah, because then I had promoted it to all my friends and, uh, you know, and all, all my kids in school. And so I, I'm guessing probably three quarters of the audience was either friends of mine or, you know, my students. And so then I'm sitting there going, okay, what are they, what are they going to think about me? I didn't, I didn't really know the people in Fort Sumner, but now I know these people, what are they going to think? So that that was a little, a little more nerve wracking. And what feedback did they give you after the fact? Oh, I mean, you know, I, I mean, my friends, oh, you did a great job. You did a great job. You know, I'm sure they were laughing, you know, later on, but, <laughs> uh, you know, and, you know, and of course my kids and, and even my kids today, I mean, my kids think that, I mean, I've got pictures several stills from from you know making uh making that movie up in my room and and stuff and and they think it's just really cool that their teacher you know coach kid gets to do movies and and we talk about it I mean they ask me questions all the time and and so it's just they think it's they think it's great and so I it's another way to just you know connect with them and communicate with them and and you know they like to 
you know, just talk about it and stuff like that. So that's, that's another, another cool thing. So you, you've done a number of films in the last maybe three years. How, how many films have you acted in since then? I have, you know, been in 19 so far. Holy cow. I didn't even know the number was that high. That's crazy. Um, your uh, Carla, your wife was right. You have been bitten by the bug, yeah. haven't you? And, and just extremely blessed, even during a period of, oh yeah, pandemic. And when so many, you know, places have shut down and, you know, not been able to work and, and, and everything. I, I was so, so blessed. We both were, her and I, that, um, to, um, you know, get so much work and being able to travel to some amazing places. I've been anywhere from Arizona all the way to Tennessee, um, you know, on, on location, shoot movies and stuff. And, and it's, you know, it's just been an amazing experience. It's just, it's just fun. I mean, like I said, we talk about it's, it's fun to play make believe and, and get to be somebody else. And so that's, that's been an amazing journey. And lest people believe that you're, you're only acting in films, you know, as, as Pat Garrett or as an old West, uh, you know, kind of genre, that's not true at all. You've done a number of films where you play, I mean, you played a, a, a preacher, um, I mm-hmm. remember you played kind of a tough guy, uh, like an enforcer or something like, tell us uh, what some of the roles were that you've, that you've played outside of just Westerns. Um, like I said, I am, and I've done, you know, I guess period pieces are, are you know, I've, I've done a lot of those. I've, I've done, um, a Western out in Arizona called Pleasant Valley War. Um, that is a true story of the really probably the biggest feud. You think of the Hatfields and McCoys, this feud blows that feud away. Uh, and not a lot of people know about it. So I was fascinated to, be, to play a, you know, a person in that. Um, and so I got to go to Arizona to do that. I got to do a, a period piece in, you know, Tennessee where it takes place in the 1790s. And, and I was a Spanish magistrate and that, that was cool to see that, you know, and that was the pretty much the talking about the, very first serial killers in in america um and and so that was a true story and got to play mike fink um in the 1820s on a a riverboat in arkansas and and so that was cool and then i played uh, a russian mobster i had to play that this this summer and and so that was cool i mean i do i it's funny that you know i'm I, I love to do accents, and, and so one of my characters that a lot of times I, I play at, at different places is an Irishman, and I always thought I would I would play, in the, my first accent would be Irish, but, you know, my first accent actually was Russian, and so um, so that, you know, I've got to play that and, you know, play play the preacher, or sort of a televangelist, and, and so that was funny, and a, a CEO, and so I've got to do a whole lot of different things that, and it's just fun to, you know, I know, you know, that being six, five and a pretty big guy, I'm, there's going to be certain things I'm going to do. Okay. You know, I, I play really good, you know, cowboys, marshals, villains and stuff like that, but it, it's fun to, to do different things and, and do, I love comedy. And, and so it's just, you know, it's fun to, to do lots of different roles and, and play lots of different people. So you're saying we're probably never going to see you cast as a jockey riding in the uh, Kentucky Derby. Is that right? Yeah, you got it. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not that unless it's, a, you know, a Clydesdale. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm probably not going to be the leading man. Okay. I'm a little old for that. I understand that. But, you know, um, I, I, you know, I can play a good villain. Like I said, I've, I've signed a couple of contracts. I'll, I'll be shooting another Western in March where I, I play the villain and then um, I, just signed on to um in may i'll uh i'll be a rush assassin in a in a movie um and so that 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 will be good and so that that'll be fun and then i had the um movie i did last march um called salvage yard shine boys where i, I play the main villain i'm getting to be a villain a lot but sometimes yeah. that's really that's really really sort of fun I've, I've found out to you know you get to be bad and stuff and uh <laughs> Um, and that's going to hit theaters probably sometime late this month or beginning of March. And so I'm excited to see, see that come out. And uh, and so I had a lot of fun uh, sh- shooting with that with um, Chris Hensel from uh, Dukes of Hazard and 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 stuff like that. So I'm, I'm 
just like I said, just living the dream, bud. That's cool. So I don't know if you remember this, but when we had the premiere of In Their Own Words in Fort Sumner, uh, after it was over, uh, you know, we're standing around talking, you and I and Daniel Cruz, who played Billy the Kid. And I said, hey, guys, I have this idea. I don't know if you'd be interested or not, but um, I would like to uh, hold a trial that would, you know, kind of figure out what happened to Billy, you know, be able to take whatever available evidence there is and prove it. And uh, I remember you said, you didn't, you didn't even really let me finish. And you said, yeah, yeah I'm in, I'm, I'm in. Yeah. I know where, I know where you're going. I, I want to do it. Um, that would have been 2019 and it certainly took a while and, and a few different uh, permutations to get to it, but you did uh, in May of last year, portray Pat Garrett once again in the upcoming film, The Final Trial of Billy the Kid, uh, without giving away too much. How, how was that experience? Because it, it's not really a Western, but you're playing a you know historical Western character. Yeah, it it was, you know, for you, the, it was different for me working with you because you actually had a script this time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so, you know, I had something to follow, but but I still really appreciated the fact that, you know, you, you said, hey, once again, you know this guy. Don't, don't get clogged up in the words. Just, you know, be him on the stand. And and so that that was very helpful to, to be able to do that. And it was and and the the amazing place that that you got to shoot, it really helped really just to, to put yourself in that situation. And because it you know, looked like you were going back in time during that time. And so it looked like a real courtroom. And, and so it was, you know, it got emotional at times. I mean, you know, it was, it, I, I know it, at Breaker, you know, when, you know, Carl and I would go back, you know, to the hotel and stuff. And, and I'd tell her, it's like, I'm emotionally drained, you know, just pouring that out and, and being so excited and upset and and trying to prove my point that you know i'm telling the truth and i'm not a liar and this guy's lying is was it's like you know i'm defending myself yeah and it was uh i i agree with you there were points there where uh you know where i i coaxed the the action but you all took over especially when there was some some anger or some you know um, you know, some accusations being made and uh, you guys jumped right into it. I, I, there was a couple of times there I thought might actually have to pull you all apart uh, for, <laughs> for, for, for real. Um, but in this one, you got to star alongside your lovely wife, Carla Kidd. Uh, but I, I don't know if this is the way it is at home, but certainly in the film, she is, uh, she's our judge, Jennifer uh, Croston, and she is in charge. Uh, any parallels there <laughs> from the set um, to the home? Uh, of course, and dear, if you're listening, yes, dear, you don't do a wonderful <laughs> job. Um, you know, so I've I've learned in being married this long. You know, I mean, yes, ma'am, yes, dear is really, really important. Um, you know, to learn. So, uh, you know, like I said, she's she's wonderful. I mean, I definitely married up uh, by far. Um, she is, like I said, my best friend, and um, you know, and she's my mentor, and she's my acting coach, and and I would not be anywhere near where I am without her. And so I'm just really, really appreciative. And I'm afraid she's going to wake up and realize, you know, you know, what type of guy I am and then, you know, take off and get somebody really good. So, you know, I'm just living the dream and hopefully she doesn't wake up. Um, one of the uh, things uh, people can look for when the film comes out and the, the uh, planned release date is July 14th, 2022, uh, which uh, holds some significance since we're talking about the events of July 14th, 1881, um, is that <laughs> during one of the early scenes where there was some uh, tension in the courtroom, because this essentially is a courtroom drama, um, that uh, Judge Croston, uh, your wife, Carla Kidd, uh, gaveled down so hard she actually broke the gavel and 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 the and the end of it flew off but she just kept going with the stick and it, it was just as loud she must have really amped up the uh the muscle power behind there but she didn't miss a beat with it she just kept going and that is the take that we wound up using so uh keep <laughs> keep an eye on that and um and we'll uh, we'll look forward to uh just having you all see the film on uh 14 July 2022, Kelly Kidd. 
we are we are excited to do that and we were, we were so excited to that you asked us and we got cast in that role and and we love you know we've we've been in a few things together and it's always fun when when, when we get to be yeah well it was it was a pleasure working with both of you it was a, a very small cast uh and you know we had a six person jury and then you know, five or six other actors. So it's, it's very intense uh, in, in a, an enclosed environment in the courtroom. So I'm, I'm anxious for people to see it and thank you both for, for taking part. So we've covered a lot, uh, Mr. Kid, Mr. Garrett, Mr. Childs, um, any parting words uh, for, uh, for folks, where can they see uh, what you're doing or figure out when your films are coming out? How do they find all that out? Um, like I said, I've got um, probably four or five films out on Amazon Prime right now, um, The Wilderness Road uh, and um, The Tales of the Natchez Trace and Pleasant Valley War. Um, and then I'll have um, Salvage Yard Shine Boys will be uh, hitting theaters probably end of this month or beginning of March. I haven't got an exact release date yet. Um, and that will I know that will definitely be a local release in the Tennessee, Kentucky, Arkansas area. And then, uh, and I don't know whether then it's, it's going to go into a, a more rel- bigger release across the the country or if it'll just go directly to streaming. I don't know. Just mm-hmm. so, but that's probably the, the big stuff that's, you know, if you want to see me, you can see me in that stuff. And, and then we'll, I'll have some more stuff coming out probably by summer or the end of the year. Check him out. Kelly Kidd, you can Google him, find his movies on Amazon, go to the theater and see them. Uh, Lots more coming out. And then uh, come and uh, watch us wherever our premiere will be in uh, in, uh, 14 July of uh, 2022. Kelly Kidd, historian, actor, reenactor, and book character Kelly Childs in One Week in Lincoln. Thanks so much for joining me. Gosh, I had a blast catching up with you, Kelly. I appreciate you. you. I appreciate it, Michael. Thank you for having me on. You got it. Have a wonderful day. And folks, we'll be right back with more All Things Billy. That was fun, huh? Kelly Kidd, I really enjoy working with him and uh, just had a great time on set, especially during the trial film. He was he was pretty intense. And... Uh, you know, the film itself overall is, you know, pretty, pretty somber. It's a courtroom drama. And so, yeah, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. So thank you to Kelly Kidd and, uh, hope you all enjoyed the interview. Uh, if you'd like to read about Kelly Childs, <laughs> my, you, you see that, right? Kelly Kidd, Kelly Childs. This way I didn't have to steal his whole identity. And I cleared that with him first. But if you want to read the, Fictional Kelly Childs in One Week in Lincoln, head on over to my website. It's mankindpropro.com. Um, and the book is the fifth in the series, One Week in Lincoln. And it's written in real time. In other words, you know, here, here's it's 7 a.m. on Saturday, and then the next thing happens at 7.45, and it switches back and forth between the storylines. But it's written in real time over one week during old Lincoln days and, uh, who makes an appearance? Well, I think Billy the Kid does. I think Rosita Luna does. Carl Farber, Kelly Childs, Brandon the Tour Guide, Mar- uh, Martin Teebs. I mean, the, the whole gang has magically made its way there, and the ending is not to be forgotten. So go ahead and order that one up and give it a read, and uh, let me know what you think. And uh, we'll be back the next time. <laughs> Whatever the next time is, I I don't even really know what these. Sometimes I get a divine inspiration at some point, and I just turn on the mic and go. And other times I schedule guests, and I've you know got the outreach out to a number of guests. I'd like to do an article on the various uh, pictures, photographs of Billy, purported to be Billy. Um, there are you know some that that demand some further research and consideration. There are some that, you know, are just completely silly and out of hand. Um, but uh, I don't know how, how how exciting a podcast about photographs would be if you can't see the photographs. Uh, but uh, we'll, uh, we'll work on that. There's plenty of other events. The, the uh, Lincoln County War is about to start. Uh, you're listening. Well, I'm recording this on February 13th. And 
on February 18th, 1878, the Lincoln County War is about to start. So there's quite a bit there to talk about over the next several months. So we'll get to all of that. But if you've got show ideas, you know where to hit them. Billy the Kid Rides again at gmail.com, Twitter at BTK Rides, or just uh, hit me up on Facebook, Michael Anthony Judasissi. If you can't spell that, you wouldn't be the only one. And of course, go to my YouTube channel and subscribe. Please go now, YouTube, Michael Anthony Judasissi, and hit the subscribe button. It's so simple, it doesn't cost anything, it doesn't inconvenience you in any way. But doing that will really, really help me bring you some additional content, video-based content going forward. We're uh, talking, I'm talking to some uh, friends, buddies about a uh, an interesting uh, show web series that would highlight some key locations from uh, the history of New Mexico, the Lincoln County War, and its participants. So, yeah, all you need to do is go and hit that subscribe button. But in the meantime, I gotta hit. I don't know, something else, <laughs> whatever, whatever needs to be hit. So I'm going to get out of here. Hope you enjoy it. Uh, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>